Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, we're going to change tack now. We can come back and talk Super Rugby a little bit later on. But there has been so much going on in the motorsport world. This morning, Formula One rejected an Andretti Cadillac bid to enter the sport as an 11th team from 2025. The sport's governing body cited many factors for their reasoning, including a couple of very debatable notes that the US team would, A, not be competitive, and B, bring no value to the championship. A little reminder, Andretti is one of the most famous names in motorsport worldwide. Michael Andretti has big stakes in successful motorsport teams and championships such as IndyCar and Supercars. So to discuss what impact the decision could have on the sport, particularly in the US market, our great friend of the show, Speed Cafe F1 editor Matt Koch joins us on the program for the first time in 2024. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Welcome back to the program. It's great to have you on again. Is it fair to say that F1 didn't hold back in demoning the value of this American motorsport <laughs> and one of the most iconic names in motorsport, right? Yeah, it's it's been a big day in Formula One news. So, for those that don't know, Andretti, Mario Andretti is sort of the, the patriarch of the family. He won the 1978 World Championship um, in a black and gold Lotus, one of the most iconic cars and partnerships in the sports history. His son raced and they were very, very successful in the United States and have gone on in Michael Andretti's leadership, Mario's son, to to race in Formula E and IndyCar and all the other things that you've uh, that you've mentioned there and be very, very successful. Michael himself was an extremely good driver. They've chosen to go into Formula One because it's the last thing that that family hasn't done in terms of running a team. It's sort of the last big conquest for that operation. They've done pretty much everything else. But Formula One's a closed shop. And to get there requires a huge amount of investment. There's a lot of commercial contracts that are all wrapped up in in it all. In terms of the pure sporting side of things, there's nothing stopping Andretti going in there. But there is this commercial contract called the Concord Agreement, which basically outlines what the teams will commit to the sport and what the sport will pay them back in terms of prize money and those sorts of things. That's where this has fallen down. Formula One, the commercial rights holder of the sport called Formula One, not confusing at all. Um, that little argument, it's basically a risk management decision on Formula One's part. Because it's looking to ring fence, I think it's uh, you know its market value. It's currently at sixty seven dollars. It's gone up from sixty three last month, but it has been trending downwards over the last four months or so. So it's interesting that that's what Liberty Media and Formula One will be looking at, not the Andretti name. It just so happens that Andretti looks to have been a casualty 
in Formula One's quest to ring fence its own profits. Man, you talk about ring fencing that. Is there also a case of is there any is there any thought about I guess ring fencing the likes of your McLaren's, your, your Mercedes, your Ferrari as far as uh, from a performance level as well? This is where it gets really interesting and into some really touchy legal territory because as a business, I don't believe, and from the advice I've been given and people I've spoken to, I don't believe that Formula One can look at the impact that a new team would have on the existing teams and be that in terms of performance or you know stealing sponsors or any of those sorts of things because that immediately brings into the discussion anti-competitive behaviour um, because you, you can't deny a team from competing against another just for the pure fact that one might win, um, which is really interesting because Formula One therefore has to only look at its own bottom line. It can't look at McLaren or Red Bull or Mercedes or <laughs> one of the new team names that I can't actually remember because they're ridiculous. Um, but that's the point of of what this process that Formula One's gone through. It has to look at all of this stuff, work out the legalities of it, because you can guarantee with this much money, when you've got General Motors backing a prospective team, if you don't cross your T's and dot your I's to the letter of the law, you can guarantee that it will go somewhere else. And that somewhere else is probably something that will impact Formula One's market value. Hence, they're being very, very conservative. It seems like, Matt, that Americans have fallen in love with the sport in the last few years. So what does this actually mean for the American market, this decision? It's an interesting one because Formula One is getting a toehold over there, but it is only a, a toehold. It's not dominating in the way that you know, American football or basketball or baseball does over there. It's still very much a, um, a poor cousin. Television audiences over there were actually down a little bit last year, but for the second year running, they were averaging, you laugh at this, but they were averaging over a million viewers per race. It's not a huge market yet. Where Formula One's seeing the growth is on social media. Uh, this, ironically, will probably stimulate social media and almost paint Formula One out to be a bad guy. And everyone loves a bad guy. <laughs> It almost subscribes to the Bernie Eccleston theory. Bernie Eccleston, the previous owner of Formula One, who was of the opinion to make these horrendous statements, but any publicity is good publicity. So ultimately, I don't think Formula One will care what the Americans think, provided it doesn't hit their bottom line. That said, it makes a really good narrative for you know the Netflix series Drive to Survive and these sorts of things, because you've now got not just team bosses going at each other, but the sport and the team sort of playing off against one another and this newcomer coming in is a really good, you know, you could make a daytime soap opera out of some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you mentioned Drive to Survive. Uh, let's talk about it. Due to be released uh, later on this month, did Liam Lawson do enough to have an entire episode dedicated to his 2023 debut season, do you think? I don't know about an entire episode, but he, he certainly oh, deserves on. a starring role in uh, in one episode. I, I thought I haven't actually seen the uh, the series yet. It's due to come out on February twenty three, off the top of my head, due to sort of coincide yes. with the end of Formula One preseason testing. Um, 
But Liam's story is incredible. Um, he's actually doing some really cool stuff on YouTube at the moment. So if you've got a spare spare bit of time, jump on YouTube, dig up Liam Lawson. He's, he's restoring a Subaru Forester and doing all sorts of stuff with it at the moment. It's crazy. It's good fun. But it just shows what a down-to-earth character this kid is. Um, so likable, so incredibly talented. He's one of these strange ones where he didn't particularly fire in Formula 2 and Formula 3, but when he got to Formula 1, he seized his opportunity and, and just driven it home. He deserves to be on the grid. I've said it before. Um, I don't think Yuki Tsunoda deserves to be there. Liam should be in that car. But how they play that that rivalry within the team and also with Sergio Perez at risk at Red Bull and Daniel Ricciardo, Liam should feature quite heavily in uh, in Drive to Survive. But how they play that out and how much mm, they put around that will be interesting to see because that's one thing that he Drive to Survive has been criticised for. Yeah, he can give a storyline around those teammates' beef. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great one for our part of the world. I was going to say, man, how much, how much importance, I mean, it seems ridiculous, but when you're talking Formula 1 these days, drive survivors usually quite close to the start of a conversation. How important and, I guess, the relevance of Formula 1 now is the drive survive series and, and the place it sits. And you talked about the, uh, I guess, the economy side of things of Formula 1. It obviously has a fairly big impact these days. It has because it's made the sport more accessible than it ever was. And the, the the beauty of Drive to Survive is it sort of came out when the world was a captive audience. It came out during the uh, during the pandemic. And when the world had nothing else to do, there was Formula One being presented day in, day out. And it, it also was a sport that got going very quickly during the pandemic. So it really captured pe- people's imaginations. It's been an entry point into the sport for a lot of demographics that we just we never spoke to before, which is fabulous. What it's also done is coincided with Formula One opening up some of its social media restrictions. So you now have more debate. You've got more uh, interaction on, you know, platforms like X and uh, Instagram and TikTok and those sorts of things between the teams and the sport. And they're all playing off one another. They've got this proper strategy now, which, again, is talking to a, a younger audience, which is bigger than the, you know, middle-aged white bloke who drives a bmw which was formula one's core audience for decades we've now got this all new audience that is younger and more vibrant and more engaged doesn't necessarily watch the races curiously but loves to interact on social media and and reddit and those sorts of things so it's it's bright it's changing the way the sport has to deal with itself and and deal with the fans but it's driving up value like you wouldn't believe because all these new brands are jumping into a sport because of these new demographics. It's fascinating, isn't it? The interesting way of the world uh, in 2024 with these new millennials. Hey, Matt, before we let you go, uh, Red Bull renaming AlphaTauri, uh, ridiculous or what? Uh, absolutely ridiculous for uh, a number of reasons. <laughs> I've got uh, cause to believe that the, the name that I've chosen won't fly. Um, they might choose to try and call themselves that, but basically everyone will refer to them as either RB or Racing Bull. Um, they're just trying to shoehorn sponsorship names into the team names and force us to use them for brand awareness because the sport's getting that commercial and they're one of a couple of teams that are doing it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit on the nose and there's sort of a line in the sand. It's a piece I wrote uh, a week or two back. There's a line in the sand that in this instance, the... Um, the, the what was Alpha Tauri? I'm not even going to use their proper name. The RB team that Daniel Ricardo drives for, uh, it's on the nose and it's crossed that line this time. It'll be interesting to see how 
Formula One as a as a business and as a sport reacts to sort of stamp this practice out, because otherwise you then start to cheapen it um, and go down. I make the analogy of cycling, where you've got these great teams that underpin all these uh, all these commercial entities, but because they change name from one season to the next, you never know the history, and it just cheapens the sport that way. It's a great way of putting it, Matt. You add so much value to our program. Thank you so much for coming on and always being available to us. We really appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks, guys.